Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. Um, I hope you're well. Today is a Sunday afternoon in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm sorry, I'm recording these things. You're probably going to you know, listen to this tomorrow, but it really doesn't matter. Anyways, um, today is the 6th of February, if I'm correct. Yes. And um, I think we've been having the Hamatan haze for a while. But it's, I think it's the, it's, it's beginning to ease, I think, slowly but steadily. I'm hoping the humidity will escape us this year. Honestly, I'm just hoping we don't go back. But the heat is coming back anyways. But it's dry heat. It's not, it's not yet humid. In Jesus' name, it will not, it will not get to that level of oven type humidity. Anyway, that's enough about the weather. So I was actually doing my Bible study. Um, so like I've been saying, beginning of this year, I am now a seminarian. I am at the I'm on a distance learning program with the um, Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. So I'm studying online part time anyway. So I just take like two courses a semester, six units in all, and you know it's a bit of just a bit of work. I usually study during the evenings and weekends, so it doesn't interfere with my work in any way. <coughs> Excuse me. Really sorry about that. Um, and I had um. I had, um, you know, God gave me that wisdom, you know, to schedule it that way so that, you know, I would really do it formally the way it's supposed to be done. And, you know, def- and even though I'm self-employed and I have my time, he, he tells me nine to five is for work and other things, you know, um, it's for work related stuff. You know, you work those hours regardless and that every time from five, between 5 p.m. till 8.59 a.m. the next morning, you can do your um seminary work and all of that and he really doesn't allow me to shake it and last week was a bit challenging because there seemed to be a lot of assignments and all that and i wanted to break it but i found out that you know he just told me okay he, he scheduled me throughout the week and he told me okay do this one now do this one now and they were like 14 very <laughs> and i ended up doing it all during the evenings without you know having to wake up at night so i just found out that you know this time we can actually do a lot if we are more intentional about how we use our time and i think that's one thing this program has taught me and honestly from the experience that I've, i'm having on this program i i think i realize that i need some scheduling in my life in terms of spiritual discipline because i mean when i think of the fact that in three weeks i've read four books of the bible which i would never have done you know or nobody would i would never have done on my own accord so um you know so and it's been so beneficial to me but i needed this kind of rigid program where you know i have to do these things and there's a scheduling it's already scheduled for me and if you fall back you're going to get reminders and it's you know it's it's just and you have to respond and explain why you're falling back and you know there's just that sort of like peer review thing that really does help you i think i work well under those circumstances i've found rather than you know me doing it myself sometimes for some things i think it's just better that way so this really works for me so anyways um so i was reading we're on ephesians for this week and i like to get my bible study done like i said i'm running it like an evening program and weekends program so i do my studying during the week whenever you know and it's when i feel like there's no fixed hours when i when i feel inspired to do certain things sometimes i want to read sometimes i want to write so i just work the schedule i read what i i know what i have to do what the tasks and the assignments are and then i do it as i'm inspired and led to do it because i'm someone that if my mind is not in something my heart is not in it i can't do it so 
I still follow with that, you know. I, I, I can't do it when I don't feel like doing it. So I wait for when I feel like doing it. And then when, I, when the feeling comes, the inspiration comes, I get into it and it moves pretty fast. So I was reading Ephesians um, 1. And what I'm learning now as I'm reading the books, because we read the books and then I have to do a summary at the end of the month, at the end of the week. So I'm now learning as I read, I take notes. I mean, I've always done that reading my Bible study, but apart from taking notes, I now sort of like summarize the main idea for each chapter. And it was a bit difficult at first, but now I realize that particularly when you're reading the epistles like Paul and the way the Bible has been broken up, you know, into chapters and all that. There's a one. There's always a verse that gives you the, you know, the the main idea of that chapter. Now I find it much easier to single it out. Before I used to struggle a bit because I'll be looking at all the details. But now I, I'm now able to, you know, sort of like just see that one liner that really captures the essence of the chapter. And then there's always a one liner that captures the essence of the book as well. And it's usually in the first chapter of the book. So Paul was really he's a very good narrative storyteller. So it sort of like opens a, a chapter. By te- or a book of, of, of the Bible, one of his letters, by telling you what he is going to talk about, and then he then expands it and develops on it. But if you just read it normally, you may not really notice all that. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is God ministers to you through the word. So, anyway, as reading it in Ephesians 1, this scripture, Blessed be the um, Ephesians 1, chapter 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, this Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, if you are a Kenneth Hagen mentee like myself, Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen from Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a, one of the Word of Faith preachers, the early ones many years, now gone to be with the Lord. His son, Rima, is now the one running the entire ministry and all that. Um, his son, I mean, Kenneth um, Hagen Jr. is the one running the Rima ministry. He's a um, very accomplished author, read, read, read a lot of things, got born again at the age of 17, and he just believed in the word of faith. So he's always talked about the Ephesians prayers, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And there are prayers that I used to pray a lot when I was much younger in Christ. And he would always recommend like Ephesians 1, you pray from verse 17 where he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in short, there are two prayers that Paul p- prayed expressly in Ephesians 1 and 3. He prayed the prayers for the church at Ephesus. And they were very, very deliberate spiritual you know, the kind of prayers that if God answers for you, then honestly, you are you are you've you've, you've you are perfected in Christ. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about you know, but he also shows us the process that we need to go through to really understand what it means to be a believer. And I'm really trying to. I'm hoping that God will give me the words to be able to say this um, pretty well. I'm actually in a hot room and sweating at the moment, so but I'm just hoping that this will not distract me. So, um, so my reflection on all this as, and, and, you know, I'm sorry, I keep saying this every time I do this recordings, but it amazes me how far I slash we, many of us have walked away from what God wants us to do. So when you read the Bible, the New Testament, the epistles written by Paul, and he's writing to the churches and the other authors, not just Paul, because now I'm not just Paul, but all the people that whoever wrote the Bible. So I mean the those epistles. Some it's clear that it's Paul, some it's not so clear. So fine. But the authors, we all know they were inspired by God. You find out that their prayers are eighty percent, if not ninety percent, 
about spiritual blessings, about spiritual growth, about spiritual maturity, about the calling of God in our lives. In fact, you don't even see anything. You don't even, you don't, you see Paul asking any, any of them asking anybody, how are your children, how are your families? Do you understand? There are just some little places there when they talk about those things. And they talk about it always in the context of the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. They talk about it in the context of, you know, don't provoke your children to wrath. They talk about it about, you know, God's vision for the family and things like that. It's always Jesus at the center of it. It's always gospel-centered, Christ-centered, and, you know, um, spirit-centered. So it's not your life for the it's not jesus for your life it's your life for jesus but what we are doing now is jesus for my life you know that's what we are doing jesus for my life jesus for my family not my life for jesus my family for jesus and it's it's a very it's a it's a subtle but important you know difference and you know, when I think of when Paul said to the Galatians, that, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I honestly think that individually and collectively we have been bewitched. That's my honest view. I believe that we have been bewitched. And and again, I, I am aware that not everyone listening to this podcast is from my part of the world. But I think mainstream Christianity as a whole, we have been bewitched. Because we have taken on the stance of the world where Christ is a means to an end. No, the Bible says Christ is the beginning and the end. He's not a means. It's not a means. And if we are looking for means to an end, really, you are in the wrong place. Jesus is not where you should be coming to because he's not a means to an end. Which end is there after Christ? So there's a bewitchment. We have been overtaken by the cares of this life. We are so invested in everything that is in this world. Our families, our homes, our jobs, our ambitions. Our life here means everything to us. Christ is just a part of that life. So why I'm reflecting on this in the context of Ephesians 1 is when I read, it just hit me and I believe it was the Holy Spirit that wanted me to realize that when it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There was a time in my life when it was my life's quest to understand what those spiritual blessings were. Because I can see that, I I could see that I wasn't, I didn't understand it, which is why I couldn't walk in it. You know, the kind of victory that, because when you read what God says about the believer, you shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, you know, they shall pick up deadly things, they shall not hurt them, you know, and all those things. When you are not doing it, when you are not able to lay hands on the sick and they are not recovering, you know, you know that there is something wrong. So I, I felt that, and if you read this, you find out from Paul that there's a, you have to understand that, you know, so let's, let's just read from verse 17, all the things that need to happen before you can walk in that, you know, um, the signs of the believers. It says, first of all, you need to. Um, okay, so let's start. Since no, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers from verse 16, verse 17 now, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Ephesians 1, that's what we're reading, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And that's a personal thing. And what the riches of the glory of his, his, 
inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all, all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all so the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe there are many places where god talks about this exceeding great power he says since the same spirit that raised up christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you you know it there's it keeps talking about this power that is working in us power that is working in us now all of this power that is greater than principality than bites than dominion where is it where is it where is it? It's there. But because we have made the Holy Spirit somebody that we only th- that we use just for our own purposes. And it's not then, I mean really, it's not possible to experience him in the fullness of what is described here. Because when he's reduced to oh save me and my family, that power is supposed to be is supposed to be addressing kingdom issues. That power is supposed to be taking cities and taking nations. It's supposed to be changing and transforming lives. Using me as a vehicle. Using me, one person. Me, you, I, we as a vehicle. But what have we done? We've turned the power inward. But the power is supposed to turn, change my life. If I read what he's saying, say that the eye of my understanding be enlightened, that I will know what is the hope of his calling. That's so there is a calling that I need to understand what the hope of that calling is and then the riches of the glory of the inheritance. And I need to know what the authority I have in Christ. I need to know why. Why did God have to give me, you know, power, you know, power that is above principality and power? Yes, now, because he wants me to exercise dominion on the earth and not just because of myself. And exercising dominion on the earth is not about my life. Because no matter how well my life turns out, if the system, the world system, remains the same, then there is no benefit, which is what we are seeing. Ruled by evil forces, the spirit of the age raging, manipulating the minds of people, the perceptions of people, the sense of right and wrong completely gone. Crookedness and perversion reigning, as in we're arguing over good and evil. Good and evil is no longer good and evil. There's now gray. Right or wrong, we're not clear. So what, what is it then profiting us or me if I am, I am, you know, I am... Let's just say everything is going well in my life. When the world around me is broken, what's, what's the point? If people are, what's the purpose of my life on earth? If I, I say I really do have the power of God in my life and that power is unable to help people who are in pain, who are suffering, God is not able to use me to reach those people. 
even those that may be around me. There's something very wrong. There's just something wrong because I don't see that in the way in which the, the early church operated. They were always able to help in some way. Either they would give comfort or they would heal. There were very few places they came to that they were unable to help the people around them. It's just, you know, it, it, yeah. And that's why we're all here today because if it, it was the power of God that came out through them. And, it, and, and when you read, these people were not exceptional. They even had personal problems. So it's not about whether their lives looked okay. So that's the converse of the nonsense we've been told where people feel oh he's he looks so good look at the car he drives he dresses well you know see how god has blessed him as a way of showing that god is with him with the apostles in fact it was written of paul that when you saw him people were like what is this the short man in fact the entire the was it in um, the galatians or the corinthian church they made it there were some people that were talking about him that this guy isn't qualified to be an apostle that his letters are very strong and all that but when you see him he don't even speak well he's short he's this and that i mean they 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 talked against his physical appearance and and apparently he wasn't a good speaker i didn't even realize that i just read that recently but he was probably a better writer so they they despised him so much that the guy spent the entire second corinthians defending himself in fact i can feel it's recently i can now read the pain in his words because he was like he went there was nothing he didn't say he talked about you know his pedigree coming from the past you know he was talking about his credentials as a disciple so you know so they really, it really, you know, what they said to him pretty stung him pretty much. But so, and you know, he he talked about his life. He was, you could tell this was a penniless preacher. You know what I'm saying? But the power of God couldn't be disputed in his life. And that is why the people speaking about him, they couldn't talk about the word. They started, it was other things they were talking about. They couldn't talk about whether, you know, he, the signs of the apostle was in him. Yes, because sign of apostle, you can't call yourself an apostle when you don't have the power of God working in your life. So they couldn't accuse him based on that. They had to focus on things like um, the way he talks, the fact that he's short, he doesn't have this, you know, and all that. So what we find in the early churches, these people... The power of God was in them, them to help other people. Their life was just a footnote. Their personal life was a footnote in their narrative. But what we are seeing now is our personal life is the headline, is the main body of the story, is the opening statement, and is the conclusion. The entire book from beginning to end is me, myself, and I. And I'm talking, I mean, that's, that's the gospel that we are preaching how Christ has come into my life and changed my life and that is it and that has made me better than you and everybody else and really well if you like you can receive Christ for your own benefit but either with your, your own journey I'm on mine that's what I think we are doing and I that's what I have been doing I think even though it's not what I I mean it's not conscious but I would say that's what I've been doing and that's what I see everyone else doing it's about self-improvement self-actualization it's not Christianity. It's not. Let's, let's, let's just be clear. And I'm not saying that, you know, everybody has a choice to decide what they want to do and how they want to live. But this is not, it's not Christianity. Let's call it what it is. It's inspirational, motivational message. It is not Christ-centered gospel. And that's why Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 it's like a fable and a fairy tale for many of us now. Christians gather together to pray for their personal problems. That's all we do. We don't even realize we are so 
we are so, how is the word? We're so indifferent to the problems going on around us. And I think it's worse in my own environment than other places. I'm sure there are other countries and communities that may be better off. I think also in other parts of Nigeria, it's not, it's more, like I said, in the northern, I've always said this, in the northern part of Nigeria, I think they are the closest to this early church standard. And, you know, they're, they're not materialistic. It's not about what you're going to get from God. They really, I mean, these are people that literally, they faced people who tell them, recant Jesus or die. And they will say, I mean, they would, they would tell you, I mean, we all, we know of people who've done this. Taken in captivity, Leah Sharibu, they wanted to release her. She said she would rather, they asked her to recant her faith. She refused. For that reason, she wasn't released. Till today, we don't know. At the time, that was like four or so years ago. We have people like that in northern Nigeria. So the Bible is not a fairy tale, is what I'm saying. And we know that the Christian communities there who have survived, particularly in the core, in the areas where tolerance for their faith is not, is not high, it's quite low. Those communities we know survive due to conviction of faith and not because of anything they're going to get out of it. Because if they were going to get anything materially out of it, it, is, it would have been far better, more logical, more pragmatic to recant their faith and convert to another one. So they are more, in my mind and my opinion, more representative of scriptural, biblical Christianity. And they are very tightly close communities. This, you know, And they're, they're just different but in the southern part, and they're, they're mostly the congregations are not, well, in the southern part where you have prosperity and you have the mega churches, it's just carnival. <laughs> it's just carnival. Extremely superficial. You know, nobody really cares about how you're living your life, whether you're stealing in the offices. Just come and look pretty on Sunday mornings and do what you're supposed to do, and, you know, nobody really cares. When you have a personal crisis, is when the shallowness of what you have been doing comes home to you otherwise you, you'll be fine with it and you feel oh things are working out for me anyways i'll leave it at that so i'm on a journey and i pray the lord will help me that before i leave this earth i will go back to what the scripture says i am not there yet because honestly when you have been immersed in this level of I don't even know what to call it. I don't have, I, my, my English fails me. It's not just something that can switch overnight. I have learned, you know, I have to unlearn. Because I, I have learned, you know, it's like somebody that went to fashion school. I, I, I've known this about the keyboard. So I've been trying to learn how to play the keyboard by um, ears. And I think at some point I learned, you know, rather than learn the way I was being taught, I took a shortcut and it's affected my growth since then. So I'm now on I'm stuck and it's more difficult for me to move ahead because I didn't follow the proper way of learning. And for me to get back to that place where I can then progress to playing the kind of advanced chords that other people would I should have been playing by now, I have to drop some of the shortcuts that I took. And because I it has become a part of me intuitively my brain it's been it's very difficult so i'm stuck at that suboptimal way so people ask me can i play the keyboard i can't say yes i'm not confident to say yes 
because I will not, I can't play to the level that they would expect. But it's also wrong to say I'm not playing the keyboard. I can't play the keyboard because I can I can actually play. But it's you know, and you can't explain how for so how many years I made such good progress. Then I I took a shortcut, and it stalled my progress. And I'm literally stuck where I was, like 15 years ago when I started learning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that analogy because that's exactly how I think my Christian life has gone, in terms of comparison. You know, building on a on a foundation to grow in the knowledge of Christ. I started off well, just like I did with the keyboards, and I learned the basic, and I was going, and everything was looking so promising. I was like, wow. And then I derailed at some point, and it wasn't just me. I think there was a shift. If I look at you know what happened within my country in the nineteen around the time when democracy around after the military after democratic rule took over from the military there was a sense of things had changed and you know all of a sudden it, it affected the church let's just put it that way it affected the church and we started particularly in southern nigeria i would say more in the south it didn't really it didn't affect the northern churches that way and there's a lot of social political history why that is so but it it affected the church there was more prosperity more prosperity in the churches they became a stronger and much more focus on you know self improvement you know and people and and the church started being seen as a place where you improve your life naturally which isn't bad but what we did was what the subtle thing that i believe that the devil did was he turned our attention so away from the spiritual things and the kingdom agenda and we became focused on our personal agenda. And we thought it was God's agenda because we, when that money, we, we were using the money to build structures and, you know, our churches were full and our pews were full and all of that. But looking back now, we've lost power. We've lost the power of God. We don't have any political influence in the country of today. Our views on things don't matter. I'm sure we've lost a lot of souls. I, you know, I don't see anybody. What we're just doing now is re recycling Christians among one another. And there just doesn't seem to be a kingdom agenda anymore. It's very, very, you know, sectional now. It's about protecting my territory and just making sure we're okay and we're fine. And, you know, it's very inward looking now. It's not it's not kingdom. It's not outward focus. It's not even, we're not even making any attempt to even say that we're trying to change the world. You know what? You know, you know what I'm saying? We're not even attempting. It's very activity and business driven. It's about um, sustaining what we have growing the you know <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying anyways that it's, it's it's very much like that you do see some individuals and communities and congregations who still have that sort of like transformational agenda and you can see them where they are um but They, they, they are being talked in many directions. So, they, they are being talked in many directions. On one hand, too, you also have the conservative ones who... I'm sorry, because I've been giving a different view. Because there's also the conservative ones who are not doing the prosperity thing. But then there's something else going in there. Those ones... So, it's a, it's a whole conservative holiness type thing. But it's also not changing the world that we're in. Because it's also very inwardly focused. It's also inwardly focused. So there's just an issue in that space. And when you think of the 
apostles that turned the entire world upside down. In fact, the allegation made by the Pharisees against them was that these people have turned the whole of Jerusalem upside down. And all they were doing was preaching, come to Jesus, you know, he will save you, you know, he will bring you. And, and, but they just thought that it was a movement. They could see that it was a social movement. And that was what they were afraid of. So that sense of a move is what we're missing. Is what we're missing. And change only happens when there is a movement, when there is a move. And people talk about a move of God. But God can only move people that want to be moved. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. God doesn't do anything just for the sake of it. For him to bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places is because he knows that we need that blessing on earth. And it cannot not just, it's not just about us. It cannot be. Because really, why bless me for the sake of myself when you know that at the end of the day, this world is still going to destroy this entire earth? So what's the purpose? So really, the reason why he's blessing us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places is so that we can exercise dominion over the powers of darkness on this earth, bring forth the light, shine it on, restrain the darkness, win more souls to him, perpetuate his kingdom on earth until the fullness of time when he returns. Preserve his kingdom and the people within the kingdom where we can then hand it back to Christ. Christ can de de um, destroy the current earth and then take his people into the new heaven and the new earth. That's the purpose. It's not about securing my family. However nicely that sounds. So, I don't know. I, 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 I think I've said enough at this point that I, I would say but but like i said i'm not there i'm really not even any close to that so but i'm just praying that god will help me so that i can unlearn like the keyboard the things that i have unlearned the shortcut that i took very self-centered and you know and all that let me so that i can retrace my footsteps somehow and then get back onto the right track with god and then the normal path i should have followed as a christian like every other early church God begins to show me, you know, the eyes of my understanding become enlightened. I know what the hope of his calling is. You know, I'm strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I'm able to walk in dominion far above all principality and power and might and dominion. You know, and that, you know, the fullness of Christ can dwell in me. You know, just like he intended. That this is, I'm not asking for anything special. This is what the word of God says. It's supposed to be for every believer. So I'll just leave it at that. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.